The Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast features people from the real estate community sharing real stories about their struggles, pains, and even losses during their own real estate journey. We share these real experiences so you can learn from them and build a successful journey of your own. Now, here's your host, Cody Lewis, one of the managing partners at Vindu Capital, located in Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to have you all, but I'm even more excited for our guest today. She is the director of of investor education, Miss Whitney Elkins Hutton. Whitney, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. This is going to be fun. It's going to be a blast. And for those who didn't hear the prior recording to this, which we don't, so you're never going to hear it. Whitney and I have been dying laughing at previous stories, not related to real estate at all, just growing up uh, and having a good time. But Whitney, uh, seriously, thank you for joining. So excited to have you. For those that are hearing your voice for the first time, seeing your face, hopefully not, but if they are, would love to have your origin story, where you're from, how you got into real estate and where you find yourself at these days. I'm a Air Force oil brat, so I'm not exactly from anywhere. I guess if I had to you know, call myself from anywhere, it'd be from the South, from the Texas area. Don't tell the people in Colorado, by the way, they don't <laughs> like that. Anyways, but you know how I got into real estate, I got into real estate in 2002 by accident, I bought a house with a significant other and it needed a rehab and as soon as, but I was the only one that could actually afford the house. We had to put it all in my name, close on the house about a month later, the relationship fell apart. And I was like, Oh snap, here I have this house, all the bills, all the rehab that needs to come with it. What am I going to do? And I was, you know, in my twenties. So I stuffed it full of roommates, people that didn't mind living in a construction zone, maybe even helping out. And Quickly, like, you know, over the course of the next 11 months, worked my way through rehabbing that house. YouTube did not exist at this point in time. So I bought the Home Depot 123 book, which I still have, and uh, learned, taught myself how to do drywall and plumbing, which probably had to have all the plumbing redone <laughs> after my, my, what I did in that house. Anyways, 11 months later, I completed the rehab and sold the house, which was probably an investing mistake right there. But you know, I had walked away with $52,000 at the closing table. And I realized then I actually hadn't been paying for my housing expenses at all for the, that 11 months. And a matter of fact, I'd actually been putting money in my pocket every month and I am not like paying at all for housing I mean, my own personal housing. I'm like, how many more of these deals can I do? The second deal did not go nearly as well, but you know, I figured at that point in time, I figured real estate out. So I thought, anyways, I continued to live in Flip and House Act. And then a few years later, kind of like woke up one day and I'm like, how are people retiring off of real estate? I just don't get it. You know, the income is very unstable. You know, you, you might make some money, you might not. Like, how are people really doing it? And then by that time, my husband had joined me and my antics. And that's when we realized, oh, we should hold on to these properties and rent them out. And then we built a, a 30 unit portfolio primarily in Kansas City and Indianapolis, and continue to do flipping on the side to build up our capital reserves. At this point in time in our life, we had a baby girl and I was taking care of two, my two grandparents. I was guardians over my grandparents and my mom was not doing very well, you know, either. You know, essentially burning the candle at both ends about three times in the middle. And I went to my husband, I'm like, Hey, I think we have enough income coming in that I can step away from my job. I would love to do that, or at least kind of reduce my hours and really start taking care of our family, you know, take a break. And he goes, I want that too. 
And I'm like, wait a second, we didn't plan for this. <laughs> so, like, hold on, time out. Wait, quick, so I, I called dibs on quitting my job first. I know, I did. But I, I mean, really, honestly, when he said that, you know, up until that point in time, he had been so supportive of me, but hadn't ever really participated in what I was doing with real estate. And so I was like, yes, I've got a partner now. And then I'm like, oh no, we need like 80 single family homes. Like this isn't gonna work. <laughs> so then we transitioned into multifamily real estate and we pursued both active investing and passive investing, you know, pretty much simultaneously. And I've scaled, you know, scaled both sides of that portfolio actively and passively. And, you know, now we have over 6,000 residential units in partnership and then 1,400 self-storage units in partnership. And then, you know, other things, you know, you know, just we've kind of blown the door off of growing our portfolio and just we've gotten into some other kind of cool projects too from that. Man, that's awesome. So you went from accidental landlord to almost all the asset classes in in the real estate realm. That's incredible. I love it. I love hearkening on the fact that a lot of people will come from tons of different backgrounds. You, you kind of found yourself as an accidental landlord and found your way into real estate that way. I always love telling people you can get into real estate doing whatever it is you did before. You don't have to come from a real estate background. You can use the old, you know, Home Depot books. You can use YouTube University now. It doesn't matter. There's lots of resources for you to get in. So if you have the drive, the passion, the dedication, you can do it and be successful as well. But Whitney, as much as I'd love to talk about all the successes you've had and the way that you've kind of found your way through all these different asset classes in real estate and, and exploring those. We're here to talk a little bit about some of the, the struggles or pains that you had along the way and hopefully help educate myself and our audience included about what to avoid or what not to do or, or even how to get out of certain situations they find themselves in as well. Yeah, happy to do it. Yeah, before we like hopped on here, I was like jotting down some notes and I'm like, how many stories do I get to tell? <laughs> <laughs> as many as you want. We'll just keep it rolling. So you want me to just kind of like launch into one? Yeah. I mean, whatever one pops into your, in your head the most, because I, I know, like you said, I mean, you've had an illustrious career. You've been doing this for a while. So I, I would imagine it, it, you know, unfortunately, but as most of us find out that it, not all projects go smoothly. So with as many as you've done, I'm sure there's a ton that of things that have gone wrong that y'all have learned from. So whatever comes to your mind first, let's start with that one and just kind of take it from there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, I mean, when we talk about, you know, what could go wrong in real estate, you know, for me, I, I feel like I've almost experienced it all. And as soon as I say that, like something else is going to pop up. Right. But I mean, we've had bus fall on the roof of our property. We, I know. Yes. But that's not the story I'm going to tell. We've experienced like raccoons that have like, you know, essentially taken over a house and, you know, near, darn near destroyed it. We've had trees fall on the property. We've had hurricanes, lightning strikes, Unfortunately, we have deaths on the property as well. And how do we mitigate all that? But I think what the, one of the stories that I have that's probably more tangible and, you know, that people could probably really like learn from, like take notes, like, oh, don't do that, is we bought a property in, this is a few years ago. We, it was a single family property. We bought it in Belton, Missouri. So if anybody knows where Belton, Missouri is, it's in the kind of southeast of Kansas City. You know, as Kansas City Metro grows, a lot of these bedroom communities are becoming, you know, you know, in the path of progress for that growth. <clears throat> we were trying to get into Belton, you know, to acquire property before that happened. Now, with you know, now we live in Boulder, Colorado, and so we really had to rely on our team in the Kansas City Metro area. 
Here enters mistake number one. This is probably one of the few houses that I didn't really actually have a good grasp on exactly the area. We had entered a new area. I hadn't ever been there to really get a good understanding. Like there's two parts to Belton. There's one that's kind of a higher end affluent area. And then another end that's like another area that's right next to that affluent area and can comp really well sometimes, but actually it's not that good. This house, guess which area it was in? Oh, <laughs> That's a good area. <laughs> so mistake number one, you know, you know, so not that that was like horrible in and of itself. Generally, the whole entire town's pretty good, but we thought we were going to be able to, you know, get a huge bump in appreciation pretty right off the bat. <clears throat> that didn't happen. So we bought this property. We bought it below value. I, I, even then, I think I probably overpaid for it. And I don't have the exact numbers, you know, in front of me, but I think we were probably targeting like $70,000 on a purchase price. I was targeting 130 after a 25 K rehab, you know, probably coming in like right around 75% loan to value, which was fine for me. And that's what I wanted. I was like, if I can get all my money back, I call that a win. Even if I only get like 80% of my money back, I'm still going to call that a win. Well, we're going through we had some labor issues at that point in time. Like my property manager, you know, Bellin is just so just was just enough out of the way that he couldn't get a team out there. So he hired a different team. So here I had an unknown team working on the property, completing the rehab. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I trust my property manager. You know, maybe I don't have to like go meet the team. You know, other things were happening in my life at that point in time. And then all of a sudden, like it should have been like a four-week rehab and two and a half weeks are done. I'm like, wow great. When does a rehab actually come in ahead of schedule? Like that should have been a red flag to me, (laughs) but you know, they came in on budget and ahead of schedule. This is like crazy. It's a miracle. It's a miracle, right? Like, you know, this, you know, I was bound after 30 projects to hit one of these where you came on on budget and like a little bit ahead of schedule. So I start going through the refinance and the refinance came back 15 K under Actually, no, it came back 30K under. It came back at 105. I remember, I'm looking for 130, 135. It came in at 105. And I'm like, dang, that sucks. So fortunately, it was with a commercial lender. We got it reappraised. I could request another appraisal because every once in a while, you get a kind of a lemon appraisal. Not that big of a deal. You can contest it. Mm-hmm. The next appraisal came in at 115. And I'm like, just 10 not where I want it. We were able to kind of go back and forth. That appraiser would pay ball, play ball. And I finally got to 120. After the property closed on the refinance, that's when I was like, hmm, I wonder why this came in low. And we had a property visit, you know, out there. And then that's when I turned toward Belt. And I'm like, essentially, we're on the wrong side of the street. And I'm like, we're in the wrong area. Okay. So I'm going to have to wait a little bit while in order to get my money out. Fantastic. So my property manager is struggling across the summer though, because the property is on the wrong side of the street to get a good quality tenant in. Then all of a sudden in August, I had to, for other reasons, I needed to pull, move my entire portfolio to another property manager and miraculously a tenant like shows up in the property. And I'm like, Hmm, I hadn't had income coming in for six months. I'm like, okay, I'll take it. Well, you get a C minus D probably D plus property. Guess what you get? <laughs> what kind of tenant you get? I'm like, okay, great. So they just kind of shoved a tenant in because they wanted to get the fee before the prop the it moved to the other property manager. I'm like, so it's just one of these like it's like death by a thousand cuts almost. Yeah. Most of the other property manager, the property that other property manager, 
he goes through and inspects all the properties. And of course he comes back with a laundry list of things that need to be fixed <laughs> at this property. I'm like, staying. I just put in like 25 K supposedly came in ahead of time. But as I'm looking at this list, I'm like, that should have been done on the rehab. You know, everything, this punch list should have been complete. Well, guess what? It wasn't, but they got paid. Okay. I'm like, all right. You know, I have like really let not have my foot on the gas on this one. I'm like, we need to like kind of pump the brakes and get this all figured out. So we get the property. I probably put in another 10 K to get the property, like, you know, up to where it needed to be for the tenant to actually reside there. So this is in August. Okay. I haven't had, you know, income for six months. We finally get everything set. I don't hear anything for another six months until my property manager calls me at like six in the morning and says, we have to vacate the tenant. What hotel do you want to put them up? And I'm like, time out. What do you mean we're vacating the tenant? What's going on? The child, her child had thrown marbles at some point in down, time down the pipes. It had broken the water pipes underneath the house and they had been leaking into the crawl space, which had just, <laughs> it was, you can keep cringing because it gets worse from here. So it had been, uh, there had been water down there. Now, why they didn't actually report, it took me a while to figure out why they didn't report it. But finally, like we get in there, there's mold growing in the bathroom. We have to totally rip out everything in the bathroom. We have to rip out everything in the kitchen. I have to open up an insurance claim because the child threw the marbles down the sink. They didn't want to report it. Here we go. So we put everything back together. I'm like, okay, I'm probably now 45K on this house because I had to pay my deductible on my insurance. Mm-hmm. I'm like upside down. I'm like, do I sell? Do I not sell? Well, I can't sell with this tenant in there. Cause I have seen now how they're living. I'm like, okay, I got to wait until they leave. You know, we get back, you know, get to the next August, like when it's time to renew their lease and my property manager convinces me, you know, keep her in there because you're going to have a really large term bill whenever she leaves. I'm like, okay, fine. So we extend it again. Another six months COVID hits. I work with her actually over the time, you know, she actually really wanted, you know, wanted to pay. Like she actually loved where she was at. It was a good fit for the family, but now I, you know, she's violating the lease. We've got the kids, we've got, you know, you know, the kids aren't at least violation, but each of the kids got a dog. And then she's got other family members that are living on the property. So because of COVID they've like lost their, you know, homes and not everybody is like, you know, living in this one house. So I'm like, okay, as long as they're paying rent, I'm going to let this ride for another year, you know, through COVID. And then we get to the following February and she just stops paying rent. We're like, why did she stop paying rent? She had actually uh, been putting in additional requests from this old water repair for things to be fixed. And my, my property manager somewhere in there had been ignoring them. So she's like in the middle of COVID, she's saying that, you know, I'm not going to pay rent because you have to fix this. And I'm like, man, you already fixed it. I thought we did. And then she just decides to up and leave. So she leaves the property, doesn't tell us, we can't get in there, but you know, until the end of release, which is at that, I think at this time, May. So this is like a full year after COVID and started and we get there to May and we enter the property and there's fleas everywhere. Oh, end to end fleas. Like to the point where we can't even get a contractor to go in there because it's just so bad because they have to turn around and go, you know, go home or get in the car and they don't want to have, you know, the fleas in the car and their, their own property. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting there going, okay, 
So let's rip out all the carpet. Let's figure out what's going on. Like get all soft surfaces out of the house. The fleas should probably go away. Well, again, nobody wants to go in there. Nobody went to the back room to rip out the carpet in the back room. So I've got three months with this property being vacant. Nobody wants to go to the back room to like rip out the carpet back there where the dogs had been defecating all sorts of stuff. (laughs) Anyways, so that was like kind of like a torturous, like little little story. We finally got the, got all the carpet out. We got the, the fleas taken care of. And then we go to like, you know, prep the house for sale. I'm like, okay, I'm probably like now 50 K upside down on this house. I'm like, okay, we're going to get it sold. We're just going to get the duds. I've got other properties that are doing really well. I'm going to take it. I'm just going to harvest my losses on this one, call it a day and walk away. They inspect the property. Remember those pipes, pipes that had been leaking. Well, they had been leaking next to one of the piers in the foundation. <laughs> and so the house had been bowing in the middle <laughs> this entire time. This property and is awful. <laughs> it was, it was tragically awful. So we, anyways, it, it does have a happy ending. We were able to, again, you know, file another claim on this house. My insurance agent was just like, are you going to get rid of this? Thing or not? <laughs> she was like, I'm so tired of talking to you about this house, file another claim, fix the foundation because it was technically part of the original claim with the water leak, get everything fixed. We got it sold. And I think I only ended up losing 35 K total on the whole property. But actually at the end of the day, I call that a win. Listen, after all those problems, I would definitely call that a win. And to be honest, that was probably one of the better lessons I would imagine that you you've had to deal with and like how to manage just ongoing challenges in one property. But it, it sounds like just based on all the stuff you've done thus far that you not only knew how to handle them, but you kept the right mindset along the way of, Hey, this is just another a road bump. Like we'll, we'll keep managing it. We'll keep moving forward. Here's an exit strategy for this or that. And I'm sure all your experience helped with something like that, because if, if I jumped into single family homes and, and did something like that right out the gate, I don't know if I'd ever want to be in real estate ever again, but with your background, it, it seems like y'all kept a calmer head and knew exactly kind of hint how to mitigate some of those things moving forward. Well, you know, okay. Lesson number one, you got to buy in the right area, right? Cause it, it's going to, you know, help you immensely and attracting the right tenant. Right. And, you know, number two, if you start getting red flags during construction, you got to be willing to change, you know, you know, kind of, you know, even if you're distracted doing other things, you need to be able to stop and, you know, figure out what's going on with your, your team, especially if you're relying on a team and take care of that. Otherwise it's just going to lead to multiple problems down the road. Okay. You know, I should have like, you know, worked with the construction a lot closer. I should have, you know, with the first inklings of property management, not working on my behalf, I should have moved property management. Okay, great. Things start happening on the property. COVID happens. I, I really can't help that. I have to mitigate. And to my, what helped is that I had a large reserves specifically dedicated to help me through weather the storm. I wish I probably sold the property a lot sooner if I could have, but that meant that I needed to actually, I think I had that kind of, you know, one like little inkling and, you know, year and a half in, in August where, do I just cut my losses, move this tenant out right now, cut my losses and sell it? Or do I hold on to it? And I didn't listen to my gut. That was another, another thing that got me in trouble. My gut was like, move the tenant out, rehab the property again, get it gone, right? Just cut my losses there. I think I probably would have come out 
a little bit ahead had I done that. Now, we probably still would have uncovered a lot of those other issues, you know, that were related to the original water damage on the house. But then, you know, it's, you know, how can you, you know, not let that ruin like everything else that, you know, all the good things that you're doing in real estate. Trust me, there were like many days where I'm like banging my head against the wall with the insurance company. My husband was like, are you sure you still want to do this? And I'm like, I have thousands of other units that are going well. Yes, I do. This is just one. So in in that, especially when I'm coaching people, like, you know, with single families starting to scale your portfolio, you have to have scale behind you to help you weather that storm, you know, additional properties that are adding to the reserves, but also additional properties that are bringing in income and supporting you. Because I I, I would like to, I hate to say it, it's probably a matter of like, when you get a debt, not if, Mm -hmm. like we all you know, like to think that, well, you know, we have the perfect underwriting and, you know, we're doing all of our due diligence, but there's going to be something missed at some point in time that can really, you know, cause a lot of issues, you know, in your portfolio. Yeah. Some, something unexpected will happen that can throw off your pro forma and, and all your underwriting. Whitney, I, th- I think that's one of the better stories we've had. And I can't thank you enough for, for coming on board. Cause I think there's a ton of lessons for people to hear in that. So I, I would highly encourage for those that listen like myself at one and a half speed, go back, maybe listen at regular speed and listen to the story again, jot some notes down. Cause there's some, some really good stuff in there. Whitney, again, thank you for coming on board for, for people that want to work with you, partner with you, learn from you. Where's the best place folks can find you at? Yeah, you can find me at passiveinvestingwithwhitney.com. And I have a lot of free resources there for you. You know, if you're wanting to get into passive investments, multifamily self-storage, car washes, real estate debt, you know, you can join me there. I have also a weekly masterclass. So just go to that website. You can um, hop on there, sign up for everything. And if you want to hop on the phone with me, we can schedule a time there as well. Perfect. We'll drop those links in the show notes for everyone to find and, and quickly access. Uh, again, Whitney, I can't thank you enough for coming on board. We really appreciate it today. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Absolutely. And thanks everyone for listening and watching at home. We'll see everyone next time. You've been listening to the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast with Cody Lewis. Be sure to subscribe today on your favorite podcasting platform so you can catch every episode of the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast.